infested macaques. They put the machine in the monkey's cage and closed the door. The monkeys stared at the computer. They crowded it, murmuring. They caressed it with their palms. They tried to kill it with rocks. They squatted over the keyboard, tensed, and voided their waste. They picked up the keyboard to see if it tasted good. It didn't. So they hammered it on the ground and screamed. They began poking keys slowly at first, then faster. The researchers sat back in their chairs and waited. A whole week went by, and then another, and still the lazy monkeys had not written Hamlet, not even the first scene. But their collaboration had yielded some five pages of nonsense. So the proud researchers folded the pages in a handsome leather binding and posted a copyrighted facsimile of a book called Notes Towards the Complete Works of Shakespeare on the Internet. The experiment's most notable discovery was that Sulawesi crested macaques greatly prefer the letter S to all other letters in the alphabet, though the full implications of this discovery are not yet known. The zoologist Amy Plowman, the study's lead investigator, concluded soberly, The work was interesting but had little scientific value except to show that the infinite monkey theory is flawed. In short, it seems that the great dream of every statistician of one day reading a copy of Hamlet, handed over by an immortal supermonkey, is just a fantasy. But perhaps the tribe of statisticians will be consoled by the literary scholar Hiro Tanaka, who points out that although Hamlet wasn't technically written by a monkey, it was written by a primate, a great ape to be specific. Sometime in the depths of prehistory, Tanaka writes, a less than infinite assortment of bipedal hominids split off from a not quite infinite group of chimplog australopithecines, and then another quite finite band of less hairy primates split off from the first motley crew of biped. And in a very finite amount of time, one of these primates did write Hamlet. And long before any of these primates thought of writing Hamlet or Harlequins or Harry Potter stories, Long before these primates could envision writing at all, they thronged around hearth fires trading wild lies about brave tricksters and young lovers, selfless heroes and shrewd hunters, sad chiefs and wise crones, the origin of the sun and the stars, the nature of gods and spirits, and all the rest of it. Tens of thousands of years ago, when the human mind was young and our numbers were few, we were telling one another stories. And now, tens of thousands of years later, when our species teems across the globe, most of us still hew strongly to myths about the origins of things, and we still thrill to an astonishing multitude of fictions on pages, on stages, and on screens. Murder stories, sex stories, war stories, conspiracy stories, true stories, and false. We are, as a species addicted to story. Even when the body goes to sleep, the mind stays up all night, telling itself stories. This book is about the primate Homo Fictus, Fiction Man, the great ape with the storytelling mind. You might not realize it, but you are a creature of an imaginative realm called Neverland. Neverland is your home, and before you die, you will spend decades there. If you haven't noticed this before, don't despair. Story is for a human as water is for a fish. 
all-encompassing, and not quite palpable. While your body is always fixed at a particular point in space-time, your mind is always free to ramble in lands of make-believe. And it does. Yet Neverland mostly remains an undiscovered and unmapped country. We do not know why we crave story. We don't know why Neverland exists in the first place. And we don't know exactly how or even if our time in Neverland shapes us as individuals and as cultures. In short, nothing so central to the human condition is so incompletely understood. The idea for this book came to me with a song. I was driving down the highway on a brilliant fall day, cheerfully spinning the FM dial. A country music song came on. My usual response to this sort of catastrophe is to slap frantically at my radio in an effort to make the noise stop. But there was something particularly heartfelt in the singer's voice. So instead of turning the channel, I listened to a song about a young man asking for his sweetheart's hand in marriage. The girl's father makes the young man wait in the living room where he stares at pictures of a little girl playing Cinderella, riding a bike, and running through the sprinkler with a big popsicle grin, dancing with her dad looking up at him.